We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To the Road to Wire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, March 29th. Nick Whalen here with the venerable DJ Trainer on the 17th anniversary of Hakeem Olajuwon's quadruple double against the Milwaukee Bucks. 18 points, 16 rebounds, 10 assists, and 11 blocks. We're going to do something we haven't done before on the podcast today. This is what happens uh, in the dog days of the NBA season <laughs> as we basically just wait the next week and a half, two weeks until the playoffs. Uh, So what we're going to do is we are going to spend a minute and a half talking about every team in the NBA. We haven't really set any parameters as far as what each team specific conversation is going to be about. We're just going to set the clock for a minute and a half and talk about whatever we want to talk about with that team. So if all goes as planned, we will have 45 minutes of enriching, dense, extremely smart, sharp conversations about all 30 NBA teams. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm not I'm not confident about this either, but let's get the clock started. We're going to go in alphabetical order. We're going to start with the Eastern Conference. So that means the Atlanta Hawks are first up on the clock. Oh, I'll start. I'll start. Oh, wow. This is going, time is, this time is, going is ticking. Well. Uh, for me, just why are they so boring? I mean, they live in a great city. Maybe it's the fan base. Maybe it's something else. They got new uniforms. They got Dwight Howard, who usually brings a buzz to the franchise, any franchise he goes to. But if you're in this organization and you're a fan, you just got to think, like, why do we continue to just be so boring to the city of Atlanta? Just nobody really cares. And so when I think about Atlanta, I think about why so boring. Yeah. Sorry, K- Sorry, they tried KL. to spice it up with Dwight. Yeah. They tried to spice it up with the uniforms, which was a nice touch. Um, but again, I mean, it comes back to, you know, not that Kyle Korver, you know, is the piece that makes this team a three seed instead of a five seed. But you can't really decide to tank and then a week later reverse course, uh, especially when the player that you're building around has been out uh, for several games now and you're three and seven in your last ten. And, you know, if Milwaukee wins tonight and Atlanta loses, then all of a sudden they're in the sixth seed. Um, 
I think right now Atlanta just wants to avoid playing Cleveland in round one, but this has the makings of a, a round one and done Atlanta Hawks team to me. Yeah, most definitely. I, I, you know, what's what's funny is that the it was prefaced, prefaced kind of weird, the Kyle Korver trade that is, but you know, had they just traded Kyle Korver and not really, there wasn't anything else around that whole situation, nobody would re- be really giving him that much crap mm-hmm. as much as we are for like follow through. You got to get rid of Millsap and the rest of them too. All right. Let's move on to the Boston Celtics, who are all of a sudden in first place in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think there's still this element of maybe not disrespect. I don't think anyone is openly bashing the Celtics, but there's this, all right, prove it in the playoffs before we really think of you as a one seed type of thing. And you know, I saw a stat yesterday that I think LeBron's teams going back to his first year in Miami have only been the one seed twice in the Eastern Conference, so once with Miami and then Cleveland last year. Uh, so I think given that history, no one is ready to anoint the Celtics as you know on par with the Cavaliers or better than the Cavaliers, even though that's what it might say in the standings. Of course not. But how awesome is this for them that they still have a mountain of assets and really when you're penciling in you know the timeline for the celtics five years ago or whenever they first got those assets you're saying three years from right now today is when they might start peaking they're peaking today and have all these assets so to me nick when i think of the celtics you know especially right now is danny ainge don't screw this up and really i think he's just biding his time just waiting and just you know really really hoping that he does not mess this whole thing up yeah, I think now with as shaky as Cleveland has looked, maybe they wish they would have dealt for Jimmy Butler or for Paul George. But at the same time, you didn't make a move and you're still number one in the East. You're still going to have what's probably going to be a top three pick. Uh, but we don't have time to discuss that, unfortunately. But what a decision that the Boston Celtics are going to have to make this summer because Isaiah Thomas only has one year left on that contract. Most definitely. Charlotte Hornets, for me, you know, uh, we, we talked about this in depth just a couple of weeks ago. But who can you convince to play with Kemba Walker? And, and for me, I don't know if there's a whole lot of people out there dying to play alongside Kemba Walker. On top of that, for the good portion of their roster right now, they're locked in for the next three years. It's, it's the same cast of characters for the Charlotte Hornets for three years. Um, so I don't see a whole lot changing unless they can land a big fish who, who would love to play next side Kemba. Right. And I don't really know how that's possible, you know, being a city that Charlotte is nothing against it, but, you know, not a destination city for free agents. It's the same question that we asked Taylor Cunningham a couple weeks ago on the podcast. Can Kemba Walker be the best player on a good team? And I don't think the answer is yes. I think the answer is no. In fact, um, her an- her exact answer was, I'm not going to come on here and dog Kemba Walker. But that essentially right. meant to us is no, he can't. Well, every, I mean, it's not like it's this controversial question. Like most people would tell you, no, Kemba Walker can't be the best player on a great team, just like Kyrie can, you know? So I think they need to add pieces. They've done a good job uh, for the most part of stocking this roster around Kemba Walker. Things, things just haven't quite coalesce the right way. It's like, I love Nick Batum. I love Kid Gilchrist. You know, I think Frank Kaminsky has been about what you'd expect at this point, you know, given, given his limitations physically. So they're kind of a piece away. And the thing is, you know, being the 11th best team in the Eastern Conference, they're not really going to be in position to grab a big time asset. They'll get a good player in round one, but you're not going to get, you know, Kemba Walker's future running weight. Kaminsky is not limited athletically. Come on, man. He is. He just is. The Chicago Bulls. Uh, the first I, I have a few notes here for each team. I uh, just wrote gross. This is a, a roster and yeah. an organization that I I think we all saw this coming, honestly, when they signed Dwayne Wade and when they signed Rajon Rondo. Um, you know, in retrospect, let, getting rid of Joe Kim Noah was like it was a genius move by them. But other than that, uh, nothing has gone right. They dealt Tony Snell, who's playing really well for Milwaukee, for Michael Carter Williams, who I don't think, you know, is going to be on the roster next year. They gave up Taj Gibson, who's, you know, when you're in the playoff race, like Chicago, that's the type of guy you would want in your rotation. Same with Doug McDermott to get Cameron Payne. Um, nothing against campaign, fairly unproven. He was hurt earlier this year. Still has a lot of time to, to prove himself, but it's not like he was Reggie Jackson for the Thunder, where you could really see, you know, not that Reggie Jackson's lighting the world on fire either, you're right, but, you're right. you know, like Reggie Jackson, when that, when that trade was made, it was, all right, this guy looks like he could be a future starter. Like, who was saying that about campaign? 
Nobody was. And I, and I love campaign, but I wasn't even saying that. I mean, on top of that, just having, right. having foot issues, not a big guy by any means, but yeah, certainly it's, there's a lot going on here. The cool thing is, at least for Chicago, is they're still packing the United Center. They will continue to pack the United Center. Uh, but if they slip into the eight seed, Nick, and they f- play the Celtics, who by no by no means, like you said, are, are bona fide or legit in the playoffs, they give them a, cha- a run for their money. And how funny it would be that over the course of the whole season, we're dogging the Bulls. And then at the very last second, we could say, wow, that was a decent season. I don't know what that would take. I mean, would they Jimmy take, Butler one, take going one off. game from the from the Celtics? Jimmy um, Butler going off in two games, a break okay. in another game. That's it. And then the whole season changes. The tail of the tape changes. All right. The Bulls are not beating the Celtics in round one. Cleveland Cavaliers. They are the second worst defense in the NBA. Maybe even the worst. I haven't checked since the loss to Wait, San Antonio. Over the whole season or post-All-Star since, break? Since the All-Star break. Okay. they As of Monday, the last time I looked, this was going into the San Antonio game. They were like, 0.5 defensive rating points ahead of the Lakers since the all-star breaks. And we're not, this isn't just like a lull. This has been sustained horrific defense by the Cavaliers. J.R. Smith has been absolutely atrocious since coming back on the season. He's shooting like 30%. He's been one of the bottom five players in the league in terms of PER. He's been their worst player. um, I think in in terms of box score plus minus, they need J.R. to be J.R. uh, to make that offense work an offense that's predicated on, probing swinging the ball hitting open shots and when players like kyle korver and jr smith and channing fry and kyrie irving are not hitting those shots then all of a sudden this offense doesn't look so great yeah a big question here for me is not so much this season but in the coming seasons is how long can lebron james have his his buds on the team like james jones richard jefferson you know in a couple more years that's just not going to work out and you really do need a young spry guy who's who's trending upward and can give you a little bit more down the stretch of a regular season because if you're burning out the wheels of lebron james during the regular season that's going to adversely affect you in the postseason even if you do have a roster full of experienced postseason and guys so something for them to consider as you know the the years uh come along here yeah i think we expect them to flip the switch but we'll see uh if, if that'll actually They'll be happen. fine i'm not worried for them whatsoever i'm more worried this year than i have been in a while just because usually they have this lull in the middle of the season and then they figure it out this year they seem to figure it out in the middle of the season and now the lull's coming for the <laughs> yeah, playoffs some years they fire their coach and then right. the lull's over all right detroit we're going way over time on the Cavs. surprise surprise uh, I told uh, one of the guys in the office this morning, Mike, Mike G, who's a Detroit fan, that I am legitimately surprised that the Pistons have not fought each other yet, whether, yeah. it, whether it be wow. on the bench, whether it be on the court, whether it be out of practice. Uh, this just seems like a really the, bad situation. The first guy to throw bo- throw bows is Van Gundy. Like, what's yeah. funny is that he'd be the first guy to fight any he of He wouldn't the, break it up. Else. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know. This Detroit team... Um, you know they uh, i've said this multiple times i think they gave cleveland the best series in the east last year they lost in four but all four games were close they they threw a lot of players at lebron they have some length they have size guys like Leward, tobias harris marcus morris are all tough to match up with it just hasn't coalesced and you know they're 34 and 41 all of a sudden they've lost five in a row uh they they lose a backbreaker to miami last night with hassan whiteside tipping in uh a shot you know point blank really at the buzzer to win that one so detroit's still only two and a half out you know of the playoff race but the way things are shaping up right now this is not where detroit wants to be because you're gonna be able to add a late lottery pick but you know also not necessarily a big time difference maker and all of a sudden this team has a need at point guard drinking game to how many times can nick whalen say coalesce in one podcast is that two if you're out there drinking at home i just hope that uh the health of jvg is sound to the rest of the season because physically mentally emotionally spiritually this guy is going to be done with this Mm -hmm. season okay indiana pacers they made a big time signing today a signing that i could not approve anymore this is incredible lance stevenson is back oh wow um 
humdinger. Did you not know about this? I did not know about this, what? and I don't care about this. Like what they they caught lighting lightning in a bottle a few years ago when you had Roy Hibbert as you know an amazing defensive backbone. Paul George was way better a couple years ago than he is now. It's not the same Lance Stevenson fitting into the system. Most importantly, Nick Frank Vogel's not there anymore to to put that all together. It's not going to coalesce for this Pacers team, if you will. I, I don't really care. Uh, Paul George to me is the biggest the biggest fish to talk about with the Pacers will Larry Bird bring him back you know how do they handle Paul George if they miss the playoffs things are going to sour very quickly yes. I think they've already soured and I mean bringing back Lance Stevenson when they've had opportunities to do that like five times over the last two years and right. to finally do it now and to get rid of Rodney Stuckey who was hurt granted but you know kind of an odd move to get rid of a veteran this late in the year he, this is desperation time right What's funny is that the Pacers had a couple weird contract situations yeah. where it really made sense to get rid of him, and they actually lucked out with Stucky's injury because they had justification to right. waive him. Uh, yep. Cap room is going to be freed up for them next year, yeah. so it, things they worked saved out like for eight them. million. I mean, it was a good, it was a good move. It was just kind of a, a move that I think they probably hoped they wouldn't have to make. Well, they would have potentially made that move even, had he not even got hurt. Right. Well, I mean, I think when they originally signed the deal, they were hoping that he wouldn't be bad enough that they'd want to get rid of him. Right. Uh, but. Shout out to and one, like huge for the brand to have Lance back in action. <laughs> the Miami Heat, Eric Spolstra should be the coach of the year. Yeah. It's ridiculous that anyone else is even in the conversation. And that's saying a lot because they're this is a year with a lot of good candidates, but Eric Spolstra with this roster, that's probably gonna make the playoffs and hasn't really slowed down, you know, over now. We're going on like three months of Miami playing like this with James Johnson and Rodney Magruder and Willie Reed, like this has been a really incredible story. It's absurd. And, you know, when we talk about the best coaches in the league, Spolstra really has never got, been in that conversation, mostly because LeBron James was on his team for so long. But guess what? He is. And and I want to turn, you know, I think for a lot of time we would have said Frank Vogel was a better coach than Spolstra. But guess what? I would argue that the Magic have had a better roster up and down than the Heat have this season. And Spolstra is out coaching everybody yeah. in the league. Kudos to him by a landslide. I, sorry, Mark. Mike uh, D'Antoni but it's 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 bolstered it's so clear I think so too uh precedent says it won't be there's only been one coach to win coach of the year that was Red Kerr in 1966-67 with the Bulls to ever finish below 500 Miami's two games below 500 right now that's fair but every single year we always do talk about that coach that got a certain team into the playoffs and, and good job on him for getting them to the playoffs so it's not like we've never even talked about a coach who was coaching a seven or eight seed in the playoffs. yeah i mean there's been one coach since 2000 who's won fewer than 50 games and one coach of the year so i'm just saying i think it should be spo i started with that but i just don't know the numbers say it won't be uh but it should be the washington wizards no oh no wow I'm scrolling. wait i was gonna say that like that does not make sense alphabetically the Milwaukee Bucks, out of nowhere, all of a sudden looking like a potential foil in the Eastern Conference. And it's getting to the point with Milwaukee where, you know, a couple of weeks ago it was, man, they could be a dangerous eight seed to like, they could be the, you know, the five seed and end up playing Toronto in round one. Right now they're tied with Atlanta, both teams 38 and 36 uh, heading into Wednesday night. Atlanta has the tiebreaker. Yeah, I mean, that's just how the East has been throughout the whole year. For me, what I'd like to talk about in the short time is hashtag own the future. When does it end? You know, it's something that we talk about a lot here in Wisconsin, Nick, but I wonder if the rest of the nation has has uh, realized that the Bucks have used this for a few years, and I know this can be used, you know, on into infinity, but I mean, how many more years do we have as a, a license on hashtag own the future? Probably when their players stop getting I mean, hurt they, every if, single year. Right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if I think right now it's still building toward the future. And, you know, if you're the five or the six seed in the East and you're still building toward the future, I think you can kind of play both sides. Uh, but Milwaukee being this good since Jabari Parker went down, in my mind, is not a coincidence. Uh, defensively, Whoa, they're, so, they're so much better without Jabari. I mean, a lot of people think that and have said that. I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm coming up with something crazy here. I mean, for uh, you to say that. Well, it just, makes, it just makes it more interesting. Like, Jabari coming back, he's going to be due for an extension in the next couple of years. Like, it, it, it's all going to be interesting. Like, when Jabari says, I think I still deserve close to the max, the Bucks can say, look, man, you, you got hurt, and we improved astronomically with Tony Snell and Mirza Toledovic taking your minutes. Good point. Let's go on to the Brooklyn Nets. And for me, uh, I think they need to keep being aggressive and taking chances in free agency and the draft, right? No brainer here where uh, they got really creative with their contracts with like Tyler Johnson in the offseason. You have nothing to
to lose, uh, taking on guys that were injured coming into the draft later on in the first round or whatever picks they're going to end up with. It makes a lot of sense. So I actually like what they're doing with the situation that they're in in right now. But of course, they should never have been in the situation in the first place. Ideally, you're not forking over what could be the number one pick to Boston. But (laughs) honestly, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like what's more important to them is Boston, you know, because they're swapping picks this year. So the fact that Boston's been so good is has kind of worked against Brooklyn more so than Brooklyn being bad has because they were going to lose that pick anyway. Mm -hmm. But you're still going to get two picks. Those two picks are probably going to be like right now. uh, If you go to Tankathon, they'll be 25th and 27th. But for a team that like traded all of its assets a couple years ago and had to completely rebuild and has found a couple, you know, borderline gem type of guys, you know, Karis LeVert, Sean Kilpatrick, which, you know, when we say gem, we're talking about in a different context with, with Brooklyn, but you got two stabs at a, at a first round pick in a deep draft. I think they're doing the best that they can with wildly limited resources. This is a pivotal year for them to maybe grab a guy that's, that shouldn't be in their range because the draft yep. is so deep. And it is important to note that lots of guys could produce with this amount of time. So it's hard to say whether it is really a diamond in mm-hmm. the rough or not. All right. The New York Knicks. Uh, this is a pick that they need to nail in this upcoming draft. Yeah. Things have uh, everybody, you know, the whole season has just been, everybody's been piling on New York, Phil Jackson, the triangle is going in and out. Mello has been horrific since the all-star break. He'll probably be shut down soon. But what nobody's talking about is the Knicks are going to probably have a top five pick in this draft. And like, if they hit that on the head and you know, they get Jason Tatum and he's awesome right away, or they get Dennis Smith and he looks like a top 15 point guard in the NBA or potential top 15 point guard in the NBA. All of a sudden the outlook for this franchise is a lot different than it is right now. So I think you got to go with Dennis Smith. He's so flashy. He's going to give that fan base something to really dig into and be giddy about for multiple years. And for for New York, maybe more so than any other franchise, maybe the not even the Lakers. Lakers pride themselves on titles entertaining product really matters at msg and i think if you grab somebody like dennis smith then you know the fan base that you can keep happy and really the national media on top of that that's a good pick for me that i actually think you need to look just a tiny smidgen beyond x's and o's yeah i mean i they're by no means locked into dennis smith i have no idea if that's who they have their eye on we won't know till the lottery i think the most intriguing fit is Lonzo Ball. Like Lonzo Ball oh, and of Porzingis. Course. But you could say that about incredible. every top five, you know, yeah. draft lottery team. Right. I mean, we don't know. I mean, I, James, I know, thinks that they'll they'll take a look at Markkanen if they want to pair two shooting big men. It'll Wait, be interesting. They, they just stupid. need to nail this pick. Yeah, Markkanen is a worse version of Porzingis Markkinen to begin with. is not with. going five. You could never have those guys on the court together. Well, I mean, it depends how much you like Porzingis on D. But Markkanen is a huge minus in that respect. All right, Orlando. Um, yeah, hey, this is <laughs> such a, such a poorly constructed team. You this know, is the longest 90 seconds of our lives. Yeah. We're going on, you know, just bad move compounded by bad move compounded by bad move. Um, and that said, you know, in some ways, kind of like the Knicks, if they, they can make everything right by nailing this draft, because if you get your superstar, you know, picking fourth, fifth, sixth, wherever Orlando's going to end up you know, all of a sudden your fortunes look a lot different and you can kind of build around that because right now they don't have that guy that they, they have no one to build around going forward. So obviously it's very important for a lot of these teams to nail this draft and maybe it'll be easier than ever for these teams to do it with the wealth of riches like that you and James have talked about over the course of the season and everybody else. It's no secret, but I mean, we're, we're putting a lot of teams into that category and historically, you know, the Magic have not done that and you could maybe argue the Knicks have certainly not that not done that either. So uh, the only thing I can say here really for the Magic is that you really need to hope that Frank, Go- Frank Vogel is as good as everyone has been saying he's been over the last few years and hope that he can recapture that lightning in the bottle uh, with the Magic over the next few years. That's really their only redeeming right. factor here is, is Vogel. I know we're talking a lot about the draft with these teams, but if you believe that this is as deep of a draft as 03 or even deeper which which i do i think it's fair to view it that way miami was a 25 win team they got Dwayne wade they were plus 17 wins that year i mean that's that's the type of impact you know somebody like a tatum or a jackson can have so not out of the question um the philadelphia 76ers funny how everything has changed around this franchise even as they continue to lose and could very well have two top five or six picks fingers crossed i think that'd be really fun in this draft um you know now that 
the the process seems to the wheels are turning at least on the process no one seems to be kind of shaking their fist at the Sixers like people were a year, year and a half ago. I wrote down three words here for my notes on today's podcast. Embiid, Embiid, Embiid. And it really only took one player to pack the arena to for everyone to feel a bit of confidence. Now, obviously, them staying closer in games a little more so this year than in years past has certainly helped um, get the arena you know, filled and, and people excited. But it really only took one player for this whole the process thing to quote unquote like turn out like now people are excited about it now Sam Hinkie is being considered out in Sacramento and and you know we've talked about this a lot but had the tur- had the ping pong balls worked out better like they could have had been in an even better situation during their draft this was arguably worst case scenario and you could say it's not that bad yeah if Embiid and Simmons come back healthy and the Sixers, even if they only add their own pick in this draft, this is going to be the greatest collection of young talent under 25 ever. Uh, not even close. No other team Dude, has had anything like this. We got to be careful with Ben Simmons. He's never played an NBA game. And I, especially for fantasy purposes, people, you need to lay off him next year in, in fantasy drafts. He's going to be on a minutes restriction. He's not going to play back to backs. I can't stress enough, especially from fantasy. I'm not drafting Ben Simmons whatsoever. I, I like Ben Simmons when we're talking real basketball. All right. I got to see it. I got to see it, man. Got to see it. He's going to be good. Toronto. They've won six in a row all of a sudden. Struggled a little bit when Lowry first went down. You know, everybody kind of knew it was just going to be all DeRozan. And now that form of basketball seems to have worked. And if they can get Lowry back healthy, I think they're kind of the same team we had to view him as a month ago. I want to stop you there because if they can win six straight without Lowry and they have a big decision coming up, do we, you know, back up the Brinks truck and give them all the money in the world and keep running it back with DeRozan and Lowry? Yeah. Did this six game winning streak maybe hint that, Hey, maybe we could still retain this level of play without Lowry and diversify our assets. Well, I mean, it also depends what you want to do with Ibaka. You know, sure. you can't say we're going to bring back this exact team because you have to make decisions on both of those guys. Lowry just turned 31 um, earlier this week. I personally, no, like I would not want to invest in Kyle Lowry, but we've seen teams do that over and over again for the sake of, you know, not losing momentum at a franchise like Toronto has really generated over these last couple of years. But, you know, it's, it was always, you know, can you beat Cleveland? Is it really going to be enough to beat Cleveland? Yeah, Cleveland's there. All of a sudden, Washington's better than you, and Boston's looking like they're going to be good for a while. Like, I just don't see, even if you bring it back with DeRozan and Lowry, like, yeah, you can win 50 games, but that might only get you third or fourth in the East. I'll say this, uh, like I always do, it's an entertainment business, and they do a very, very good job of entertaining Toronto and all of Canada for about 350 days out of the year. Yeah, I, I, I trust Masai, and I think he'll do the right thing. All right, let's finish up the East. Washington. Right now, they're one game up on Toronto for the third spot. Um, only a game and a half back of Cleveland, but I believe Cleveland holds the tiebreaker there. So, you know, kind of like two and a half. Uh, which team does Washington not want to see in round one, you know, of this grouping of Atlanta, Milwaukee, Indiana, Miami, Chicago? Is there a team that they don't match up well with? The East is just a toss up and, and you can get down into the matchups. But you know what it really has been over the course of the season and, and these bunched up standings really indicate this, too. It's just who's motivated to play that night? Who's on the hot streak? that night that's really been important let's not forget that washington they started out you know like they were out of the playoff race we writ them off we can go back in the archives of our pods nick and we say wow we were really wrong on washington this year and we literally said you know like we just continued the conversation like they wouldn't even push they're the three seed they're every bit as good as they thought they were on and on and on i've talked about how much i really do like their starting five one thing to note too marcin gortat's minutes have dropped off dramatically uh but of course that's because jan Mahin he is back in the mix um, but it's nice to see that he'll be fresh for the postseason run because he was getting run dog tired mm-hmm. there for a good portion of the season yeah they're three and one against atlanta they're three and one against milwaukee they're three and one against chicago um they're zero and two against miami though who i guess they must play at least one more time before the end of the season they're also three and one against indiana so the numbers say that any of those matchups should be fine for washington let's take a quick break so i can tell you about pristineauction.com Pristine Auction is the place to go if you're a sports fan and you're looking for memorabilia for your man cave or just for your personal collection. eBay is great, but with a site like that where anyone can sell anything, 
you don't know exactly what you're going to get. And with Pristine Auction, everything is guaranteed to be 100% authentic and only from the most trusted sources. Plus, buying in an auction format makes everything more affordable. It's quick, it's free, and it's easy to register. And unlike other auction sites, it's free to bid. You only pay when you win. That seems like a pretty fair deal. Pristine Auction has a ton of memorabilia from all the major sports, football, basketball, baseball, boxing, you name it, even soccer, if you're into that kind of thing. So check out Pristine Auction. That's Pristine Auction, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E Auction. It's authentic, it's affordable, and you only pay for what you win. Let's move to the Western Conference, and we will start with the Dallas Mavericks. This has been an interesting season for Dallas. Um, You know, one of those teams that, you know, at least in our coherent lifetimes of watching the NBA has just never really been bad. You know, basically since Dirk Dirk has been Dirk, they just haven't been bad. And it's one of those teams that you can't really even imagine being a bottom feeder, even as it seemed like that was going to be the case this year. They're not going to make the playoffs, and they're currently projected to pick 10th, which is when you're looking at a purely results-based uh, analysis of this season, not what you wanted to happen if you're the Mavs. And for our coherent lives, like we have not known a bad Dallas Mavericks team. So we, we've just always known that. And here, and that's, and what I'm about to bring up is, is the reason why it's so tough is because they really do need to consider trading off their assets and tanking just a little bit for like one or two seasons. Because for me, the biggest thing for this organization is how do we move on from Dirk? Uh, mm-hmm. You could say gracefully, um, but at some point, you know, like he might be hanging on a little bit too much. And you said it many times they owe it to Dirk to keep competing. But if he keeps saying, yeah, I'll come back next year. Yeah, I'll come back next year. At some point, you need to be like, you know what, Dirk, you know, we do owe you a lot, but we're just not going to be competitive during your final year in the NBA. I mean, I don't know that Dirk is necessarily holding things up. Like he's, he's not like a mellow type of stranglehold or like Kobe was for the Lakers. Like he's on, he's on a reasonable deal for the type of career he's had. I think they're just in a tough spot. Cause like they don't, they don't have assets to sell off. It's like, you're, who's their best asset that's really sellable? Like Wes Matthews, get rid of Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews. I don't think that team is yeah. going anywhere. A team led by Matthews is and Barnes, Barnes is not going anywhere. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I totally agree. Denver big uh, loss for them in Portland last night monumental Huge. loss so Nurkic. they now they drop right i mean who of course we saw this coming right like oh, yeah. this was going to happen as soon as that trade went down Nurkic was going to have a game like this so they're a game back of portland and portland now holds the tiebreaker so it's essentially a two-game lead for the blazers not insurmountable by any means my question to you is is this season a failure now if denver doesn't make the playoffs no, because we didn't expect them to be there in the first place. And I think a lot of people will uh, you know, answer that question opposite of me, but that's unfair. That's completely unjust. They exceeded expectations, but far larger than this year. I mean, come on, let's all be real here. The Blazers, the Nuggets, the Lakers, any team you want to throw in there in that eight seed, I don't care who it is, is going to get obliterated in the first round. Bigger picture here is that the Nuggets are trending upward. The Trailblazers right. are actually trending downward. So who cares? It's a wash to yep. me this season. I agree. Denver is not a team like Dallas. Dallas is, you know, right now only what four games or so three and a half behind Denver yeah and Denver at least has a core in place where you can say like like Denver's almost in the where Utah was a couple years ago where it's like you know they didn't make the playoffs they're not going to get another high draft pick but you like what they have going and they're going to be better in two years they're meeting in the middle right now but make no mistake they're headed in opposite directions even if the trailblazers or Mavericks Mm -hmm. end up above the Nuggets this year like with Denver you don't say man they could have used another asset in this draft I'm like yeah they could any team could but they don't need it in the way that Dallas does exactly Golden State, big win in Houston, uh, or was it at home last night? I don't know. I think it was at home uh, against Houston on Tuesday night. A little bit of a scare. Uh, sorry, it was in Houston as I continue to contradict myself. I came out of, of hoops last night, and there was an alert on my phone that said Draymond Green left the game with an ankle injury. I went on Twitter right away, and there were people saying that Green was writhing in pain. He was screaming. He could put no weight on it. And then, like, I didn't check my phone for 15 minutes, and he's back in the game, and he's playing tonight, <laughs> and everything's going to be fine. Well, any anything that says Draymond Green was screaming, just be like, yeah, he's always screaming. So that, right, yeah, that, that's a good no point. indication of, of what's going on here whatsoever. Yeah, that's on me. I don't, what's funny is, Nick, I don't really have a lot to say about the Warriors right now. Yeah. Right? 
and and this is a tough 90 seconds to fill because people are tired of hearing about the Warriors. Uh, at the beginning of the season, we talked about how all these reporters have flocked there, moved there, they're the national scene. I'm tired of it, man. I, I just want to get through yep. it and, and see what happens and, and see if they can do it. Maybe more importantly, I, I think they need to leverage themselves for multiple championships, and I think they're in that mentality. And, and you can call it arrogance, but that's what they need to do. They need to be thinking about how do we win – two three four championships over the next five years not just this season's championship Mm -hmm. they got san antonio tonight san antonio has already beaten them twice so a win tonight you know obviously seals the tiebreaker and would pull san antonio within a game and a half so very important game i'm going to be interested to see uh how the spurs specifically handle their rotations houston rockets they have 51 wins with eight games remaining i am ready to anoint Mr. James Harden as the MVP. All right, we're gonna do that here, huh? I yep, right now. I guess that's all right. Um, You'll I get allow it. it. Okay, I get it. I, I I'm okay with it, and it's just he's facilitated his teammates so much more, and I think. And I think the biggest reason why is that you could say that Eric Gordon could have been an all-star or he was very close. And for that reason alone, like James Harden completely and solely did that for Eric Gordon. Uh, and, and I think for that reason alone, and what's funny is that you can you can compare him to Russ, obviously, and you just can't say the same things like, wow, Steven Adams was really close to being third-team All-NBA center this year. That's not the case when in reality Harden has just elevated every single player on his team. And and I think that's I think that's what's going to win it for him. Even though the Thunder could arguably be you know the worst team in the West without Russell yeah. Westbrook. Yeah, I think the team success is what's going to do it for Harden. And the fact that and maybe we'll get to this with OKC that the like everybody's trying to like debunk Russell Westbrook season all of a sudden. You know, like three months ago it was just unbelievable. He's keeps racking up these triple doubles we've never seen anything like this cut to now he's doing the same thing he was back in december but all of a sudden you know we're trying to we're looking at the advanced numbers to figure out well yeah he's putting up triple doubles but he's actually doing this this and this on defense and he's hurting his team harden and westbrook are not available for this game but houston is playing the thunder who wins and is that a fair way to decide mvp that's a good question i think houston wins yeah, me too, which, you know, is a vote for Restbook if you want to look at it like that. But let's move on to the Los Angeles Clippers who are in an absolute death spiral. Nick, this is the beginning of the end for me. I think everybody's headed separate ways here, including Doc Rivers. They're all just going to point to separate corners of the United States and all go in different directions. We're just at a point where, you know, I, I, when I talk about the Clippers, I always say is that they've done the best they can from compiling a good team. They're knocking on the door at some point, maybe an in injury will let them in or maybe a mishap will let them in but really you know they've done this as long as they can and mentally it's just been too taxing for them and we're seeing things unravel and and I, I would love to credit this team and Doc Rivers to say they were they're trying to fall on the opposite side of the Western Conference tournament than the Warriors but I think I might be giving them too much credit by saying it's a big mastermind plan here yeah um I don't really know what to say about the Clippers at this point they have everybody back they're five and five now over their last 10 they blew an 18 point lead in the fourth quarter to sacramento over the weekend do you think they're i think they're actually boring and i don't think many people like to even watch them anymore i do i've had this argument with james he agrees with you i I love watching i love watching them i'm a big blake guy but i think i think some people have soured on them they're not the lob city clippers of three years ago yeah, I mean, obviously, right right now they're just so dejected and and they're not fun. But I this mean, was, even over the course of the year, they're just I don't. Maybe it's just because they've just been together for so long. We know what to expect. They were the best team in the league through the first month, which is obviously a small sample, and we've seen a lot of things change since then. But I mean, this team all of a sudden they're only a game out of the six seed. I asked you um, in one of our first pods of the season, will Luke Richard and Bamute make first team all defense or something like that? Cause he had the best defensive rating in the oh, league. Right. But if, if he was that the best be defensive happening. player on a number one seed, then obviously, but how things have changed, let's move on. LA Lakers. What a tank job. This has been um, secretly. This has been the, this is, this is I was going to say the opposite. No, this is I, like the most blatant tank job ever. No, they've been. Well, no, I mean this season, but for the last three seasons, they've been tanking. And now it's starting to really unravel in my own mind that the Mozgov contract and the Dang, Luol Dang contract were intentional. We we were like, wow, you paid no. too much for that. No, they, they've been tanking. <laughs> Why they would they sign to a four year deal then? <laughs> 
because they need to eat up cap space. Dude, this they're actually tanking. They're tanking just as hard as the Sixers ever have, but they're doing it way more discreetly than the Sixers But, do. like, what's the plan? So you're, they're going to tank these next three years? Yeah, man. Why would they do that? Because no. they're because they're not sold on D'Angelo Russell. They That's, they need no. to get another point guard. Who are you sold on Brandon Ingram? I'm not. No, Jordan not Clarkson, at all. No. no, but that's not that is. There's no way that they sign those contracts to bomb themselves. No way. Absolutely secretly, not. Secretly, no. were those contracts a good deal? Yes or no? No. Okay. They were bidding against themselves. Okay, so why did they do because it? Because they're incompetent. They have a new management I don't because know. of these deals. No. Okay. No, this is the biggest draft for them in franchise history, though. If they lose their pick this year, they also lose their pick in two years. And the way that this team looks right now, I don't think they're going to be a whole lot better in, you know, in 2019. All right. They're doing a great job of tanking, and nobody is chastising them for tanking when they're overtly doing it. I, if they lose their pick, things are going to get bad. Things are going to get real bad if you have this type of season and then get nothing for it whatsoever. Well, that's for sure. Memphis. Uh, I take it back. This is the hardest 90 seconds to fill. Memphis, you know, they're basically locked in. <laughs> folks, they're basically locked into playing the Spurs, and Memphis does not want to play the Spurs. I don't know that there's a team that they do want to play. Utah, maybe. I think the Clippers would be fun because of the past, but that's, that's just not going to happen. Uh, that's, I don't even think that's mathematically possible anymore. But they're going to get smoked by San Antonio and it sucks because we're going to have that conversation again of does Memphis have to blow it up? And they, it's seeming more and more real that they can't do a complete blow up because they just signed Mike Conley to do a, the most expensive deal in the history of basketball. And, you know, they're not doing anything with Gasol, but the Randolph, the Tony Allens uh, of this roster, it might be time to restructure things. Uh, I looked up the other day and I actually tweeted this out. The Rockets have more games this season in which they've made at least 10 three-pointers than the Grizzlies have over their last nine-plus seasons combined. That's mm. wild. That's, that's absolutely insane. I mean— You can't win like that anymore. What's funny is when I talk about teams that just put themselves in the best position to knock on the door and hope something breaks their way, they've been doing it far longer than the Clippers have, and man, is that mentally taxing for a yeah. community, for a fan base, for the players, the coaches, everything— I mean, how many times have they been just in that five, six, seven spot in the West only to like maybe they make it to the second round and then just get clobbered by, you know, the team that goes on to win the championship. Mm. All right. Minnesota currently sitting at eighth uh, in the lottery standings. Very, very intriguing summer for them, because I think even though they've been really disappointing and they're going to win something like 32 games like i haven't really cooled off on them you know the, the levine injury disappointing for who that well that, not us not us two, but two I'm people just who saying, did not think they would make the playoffs disappointing for a lot of people this is exactly where i thought they would be and, yeah, and i, I know that's a little a little bit uh maybe too arrogant on my side but like they're still a bad team with a first year coach with a bunch of players who aren't proven whatsoever like this is exactly where they should have ended up and been projected to end up Right. They also still have two of the 10 best players under 23 in the NBA. Like that's where I'm well, not, that's what I mean. I haven't cooled off on them long term for long term. I got you. Yeah. Like they had another piece, you know, let's say they, let's say they pick seventh. And but, who, but who, I mean, where, because anybody. they're actually pretty, they're, they're pretty solid at the starting five. So what, I mean, I think you can upgrade the four with Jang or the five, however you want to play that. And I think they still need to solve the point guard situation. So like if Dennis Smith's there at seven, but absolutely but okay i i agree on point guard because you don't want rubio but at four like i i you can only have so many shooters and so many producers on the court at one time i think you actually do need uh you know like a glue piece like dang to play major minutes with the rest of those guys right you can't have like well, five first scoring option guys on well one the problem team. is when your point guard can't shoot then you might need your four to shoot so like if, if you have a point guard you can shoot the ball then yeah you can make that three or that four be a guy who's a non-scorer not even having three score first guys on the court at one time you know i think that's the max right i mean even, well it didn't work with with levine and it hasn't really worked without levine either so that that's not overly encouraging pelicans uh the pelicans will not be making the playoffs i'm sorry right. to report let's jump let's jump to conclusions here should they bring cousins back for the last year of his deal right now or should they trade him and realize that this is not going to work out even after just like 20 games i think you 
covertly put him on the block. You don't openly shop him. No, he's already on the block. Everybody knows yeah, he's I, already yeah, on the block. I think block. you field calls for DeMarcus Cousins, okay. but you don't you don't make DeMarcus Cousins think you're shopping him because that's when you can get into big trouble with this guy. I think you, <laughs> worst case scenario, you go into next season with your best players as Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, and you say, all right, we have a whole offseason where you're going to use these last 10 games as like a mini preseason um, and just hope that we can get something going next year because with these two talented guys, there's no way we can win 30 games again. You know, if somebody gives you an offer on draft night and you have a chance to flip cousins for, I don't know, a top five pick and another asset, you think about it. You know, I think you can, you're kind of playing with house money, although the house money, you know, might be fraudulent bills. Yeah. I, I want our audience to be clear that you were saying that's, that's what they are thinking. But if they do go into next season, I, I'm sure you'd be the first to admit that maybe they don't even win 30 games. I think they would win 30 games. I mean, they're going to win like 35 this year. And that's saying, I mean, with a crap roster, I mean, I they can they do can... better filling in around those two. I don't know. Drew Holiday's really good. Yeah. Well, He's they have to, make, they have to decide on him. They have to decide on him this summer. For what it's worth, when I talked to Mason Ginsburg, who writes about the Pelicans last week, he was pretty sure they're going to bring back Cousins, or at least that's the direction they're leaning now. All right. Fair enough. I'll take his word for it. Let's move on to my Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Big thing here for me is just they need to keep hoping that everyone still continues to think highly of their franchise for as long as possible, even though they're on a downward trend. And obviously the leaving of Harden, the leaving of Durant and the leaving of Ibaka have have kind of alluded to that they're on a downward tread. Now, I think they've got everybody fooled right now where it's like, oh, Oklahoma City Thunder, one of the top teams in the West. They're not. They're really not that great of a team. They're just incredibly flashy. They're a one-man show. And and I think it's awesome that right now they're like holding on to relevancy. But at some point, man, they're going to be a bottom dweller in a very small market, and they're going to be bad for multiple years. And I say that as somebody who roots for Oklahoma City Thunder first and foremost. How would you describe or how would you like rate this season, you know, as given your expectations, like this the year one, after Durant, Cleveland, when they lost LeBron, they went from a 61 win team to a 19 win team. Obviously there hasn't been this kind of drop off. Like how has this gone as a Thunder fan? This has gone as good or better than I thought it could. I had them as the eight or nine seed um, coming into the season. And I really think it's a testament that maybe Russell Westbrook should be considered the MVP. But here's the issue is that preseason rankings, people had them where they are right now. And, and you know, you can't say that with the Rockets. People had right. the Rockets way lower. And so you need to throw out those preseason expectations when considering this. And, and anyway, that's my, that's my own opinion. So I think that uh, I'm surprised just as much by the Thunder's performance as I am yeah. the Rockets. And that makes the conversation for MVP a little closer. But I'm the only one who thinks that. I think everybody else is. Okay. Arbitrary extension of time here because i want to ask you one more thunder thing we joked all summer everybody joked all summer as soon as durant left like man russ is gonna average a triple double man russ is gonna go for 50 in the all-star game and it's like he's basically done those things like did you really think russ had it in him No? no okay neither did i i thought he'd get hurt I still think he's going to get hurt. I thought he would burn out at some point and he just hasn't like he's the same guy. Well, what's funny is we always make the cliche, the cliche, the, the, how does he get up for the Wednesday in Orlando? And tonight they play the magic in Orlando. Watch that game on league pass, however you can. And that's, you know, the cliche is like, how do you get up for the Wednesday or Tuesday game in Orlando? That's literally happening tonight. So watch how he plays 45 more assists to get average that triple. double. That's that's very true at this point in the season. That makes sense. No, I did not think that Westbrook reminds me of myself in middle school when like all I cared about in fifth grade was like, and all anybody cared about, I hope, I hope I wasn't the only one is like how many points you scored. So it's like, you know, I, I could care less if our team was winning. Like I did, I knew it was like, well, I got eight points at halftime. I need to need to, I had like this mental tracker, you know, like I feel like that's what Russ has in his mind. He just has like a, a digital stat sheet that he's displaying. Yeah. Believe it or not. I used to rack up a uh, double doubles back in the day. I was the tallest guy. Really? Yeah. And now I'm, I'm more point guard shooting guard hype, but back in the day I was taller than everybody. Mm-hmm. I knew when I had a double double, like immediately yeah. I was, I was counting it in my stat or in, in my right. head. Everybody was back then. Yeah. The Phoenix suns hard transition Man. to DJ, dj's basketball yeah, career I mean, if there's the a team Phoenix that Suns. we could skip over maybe the suns <laughs> they started Derek jones at, at shooting guard yesterday um someone named jarell eddie played some major minutes that's where we're at right now with phoenix uh, right up there with la in terms of blatant tank jobs but can't really blame them question for you in terms of hashtag own the future uh 
Are they in the same conversation with the Nuggets, Bucks, and Timberwolves? No. No? So I Devin Booker and TJ Warren do not do it for you? They don't only because the results, like on paper, I like their pieces, but they're 13 games worse than the Nuggets. You know, like to me, that shows something. And yeah, the Nuggets have better veterans, uh, especially in the front court, but I mean, Phoenix right now, I mean, they're the third worst team in basketball. You know, I think there's, there's a pretty clear 13 games is a big difference. If they were like five games back at Denver, then maybe, but no. For a team that's had Goran Dragic, Isaiah Thomas, Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Knight, I mean, isn't it unthinkable for them to even go after a point guard in this year's draft? But it still seems you like something think. they're I mean, going to do. Brandon Knight, they might just stretch Brandon Knight if they have to, uh, because I, I think they want no part of that. And apparently no one else wanted any part of him either, because I think they would have dealt him at Stretch the provision being that they drop him and stretch out his contract. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. right. You, whatever is left, you can stretch it over like seven years. So instead of, yeah. you know, three years of big cap hits, you get seven years of slightly smaller cap hits. That's what Detroit's doing with Josh Smith's contract. Right. right I believe that's finally up after this year. Uh, yeah, it's pretty close. He's been like the second high, highest paid player on the Pistons for the last few years that was before they did the stretch provision or maybe they've been doing it now no they I mean when they waived him they used the stretch oh I wow believe, so, right or not so, so even with the stretch he was making like 10 to yeah. 13 well there's been dollars. talk I mean Joe Kim Noah could get stretched those type of basically those type of contracts right. like I mean Mozgov and Dang right should be I think there is some secret hope that the the new CBA would like have an another amnesty mm. which was I kind of like that, but uh, that will not be the case. Hey, I some of my favorite sports talk radio was Lakers should amnesty Kobe talks. That was they that, should have. I was all yeah. God. They should have done that. They would be in <laughs> such a better spot. Honestly, they would be. They really would be. That that's that's like my all time favorite talk radio. Yep. Um, topic. Yeah, and then didn't Kobe like beat the Mavs Am- and then yell and he like said, amnesty, amnesty this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to Mark Cuban or on Twitter yeah. or something like that. That there was were amazing. Some, there were some crazy guys who were amnesty. I wish I could find a list. Oh, there's an amnesty tracker. Right. How sad is that? Pa- you don't pause want to be on and, that. Pause in this. We've got, I mean, I, we've got four more teams on our list, but we fine. need to yeah. well, no, no, like, I'll, break it down on the amnesty quick. Yeah. I mean, you, you had guy like you amnesty, like the, the Nets amnesty, Travis outlaw. <laughs> right. Like there were just guys like the Nuggets amnesty, Birdman, the Warriors amnesty, Charlie Bell, uh, the Bucks amnesty, Drew Gooden, Darko. And this is just a who's who. Right. Uh, Andre Blotch famously amnestied um, and then intentionally signed cheaper deals so that the Wizards would have to pay him more money. Uh, yeah, it's complicated, but that's just like the classic Andre Blotch story. Right. All right. Let's get back to it. We have how many teams? Four. Four left. Let's the do Portland this. Blazers. Trailblazers. I don't think anyone's ever called them the Portland Blazers before. <laughs> what are they blazing, Nick? Not a trail. Oh. Uh, Lillard, or McC- Lillard or McCollum long-term. Like we said before when we were talking about the Nuggets, they're headed in different directions, and I think you need to correct that direction they're headed, which is down, by getting rid of you know l- one of those two and adding a big man or, I, I mean, Nurkic is good, but maybe a small forward or something like that. They just need another piece. Yeah, I mean they're so they're deep everywhere. It seems at least. Not, I think they could use a backup point guard. It's false. It's so false. Like you can't even. I don't know. I mean, like they have like a th- it feels like they have a thousand like swing three fours. I know, Aminu. but I wouldn't call that deep. I, I I think it's this is a lure that all these right on average guys are all average together. But if you brought in you know just one guy, it would you know it just they have what the Celtics have, but their players just aren't playing as well. Yes, that's, like that's I mean you have. These are all guys who play like three or four. You have Jake Lehman, who's barely played at all, but has been kind of a cult hero Why when he does you even play. Bring him up? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at the roster. Okay. Jake Lehman, Noah Vonley, Ed Davis, Alfaruk Aminu, Mo Harkless, um, you know, and even Alan Crabb can play some three. Evan Turner, like that's seven guys. Pat Connaughton, come on, Pat man. Connaughton, I, I mean, How he's more of a two Lehman in my, in my eyes. Pat Connaughton is a, he's a pitcher first, and then he's a, he's a two <laughs> second. And even like Myers Leonard can play the four because he can shoot. And like none of those guys have been that good. So. I've, they need a third guy. Like, hey, you know what they could use? Nick Batum. All right. I, I don't know what this theory or philosophy is called, but when you walk into a room and there's five girls and you immediately pick out the prettiest one and you think, oh, wow, she's so pretty. But then in walks an actually pretty girl. Oh, right. And yeah. then you're like, oh, my gosh, I just picked the leader of the pack. Like, there's, it's an actual f- philosoph- or not philosophical, but psychological. Ph- it's a thing that girls do in Instagram photos. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's what the Portland Trailblazers rotation is, where we're like, oh, man, do they have a gluttony of riches? They're all very, very pretty. And then in walks in even somebody like rudy gay and you're like oh yeah that's right all those guys really aren't that great yeah 
no, I, I think that's totally fair. All right, the Sacramento Kings. I have uh, to say that yeah. this trade is not looking quite so bad because the Pelicans have been much worse than everybody thought they would be since the trade, and it's still not a good trade. I would never, ever defend the Sacramento Kings. I don't want anyone thinking that. That said, all of a sudden, um, you know, they're looking at a lottery pick in, in exchange for DeMarcus Cousins, a pick that could very well, you know, find its way into the top seven. Oh, man. And if awesome. they hit that right, then all of a sudden things look pretty good. Plus, they have their own pick. So right now, they would be picking seventh and ninth, according to Tankathon. Of course, that could change. But you're getting two top ten picks in a loaded draft. Uh, we've made fun of Sacramento a ton, and deservedly so. But they're another one of those teams that if they do things correctly and – Granted, they have shown no competence when it comes to the draft in the past. But if they get lucky and then hit on these picks, all of a sudden the Kings are on the up and up. They just need to end this era as quick as possible. And the funny thing here is they kind of think they did that by getting rid of Cousins. But I'm talking about front office. I'm talking about a global. Is uh, Sam Hinkie the GM of this team within five months? I hope so, so much. Me too. I really, really hope so. Um, in two months? Within five months. Five months. I just think it would be very unkings like for them to even think they needed to bring in bring in somebody like Sam Hinkie. I think they should do it. I see why. Everybody wants them to, but I. I mean, they haven't done anything we think they should do. So why would they do it now? We'll see. I think the fear was like they would bring him in, but then they wouldn't give him control. Like if you're going to bring in Sam Hinkie, you have to let Sam. You have to let Sam Hinkie run things and let and have the understanding that he's going to be able to see it through. You have to 100 Mm percent give it up, give it all up to the process or Mm -hmm. the you know that that train of thought. San Antonio, I think that the San Antonio team is going to win like 62 games. They're going to be really good. And they're they're just not going to match up well with Houston or Golden State in the playoffs. I think they're going to sweep Memphis in round one. And that second round series against the Rockets is going to be one of the best series that we've seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think everybody is just going to go along with that. That's We're basically just running back that type of thing every five years or so with them. Uh, not every five years, but each of the last five years. Uh, how do they gracefully move on from Tony Parker? Because I think we're at the point where he's not really helping them whatsoever. And you know what's funny is that Patty Mills has actually gotten more credit around the league and NBA media and Twitter, rightly so, for his point guard responsibilities of this team. But at what point do you say, hey, Tony, thanks, man. Really appreciate it. But uh, yep. you're going to ride the bench and we're going to like directly and publicly pursue mm-hmm. a legit point guard like uh, Drew Holiday or just somebody yeah. of that caliber who is far and away better than tony parker right now but not a maybe like an all-star necessarily yeah i had said that i I was going into the deadline i thought that san antonio would be looking to upgrade that and with miami like Drogic was the guy that i've been harping on all season would be such a good fit and it's a tough fit you know they would have really had to move things around and it would have been hard but that would have really changed things for them in terms of their ceiling. Um, I just, with those bigs, it's going to be really tough going up against Houston and Golden State. I just, I don't, I don't see how that works. Injuries. That's it. Right. That's the only All reason. Right, last team. We made it. The Utah Jazz. All right, I'll start. We made it all the way through, and we still don't know who's starting which. Uh, will Gordon Hayward come back? I don't know. Do you think that their performance yeah, in back. the... He went through shoot around today. He'll be back. No, next like oh next coming, year. <laughs> like what like was like was there is there news that he's like maybe not coming back for no, the year? No, he's got a player option that he's going uh, he went to through shoot around today. He's resigning. <laughs> Come on. Very optimistic of you. Uh to, you just you know, you live by the mantra, take it day by day. You yeah, know, you yes. really do. Ath- athlete speak. Yeah. The Hayward stuff is real though. I don't know. Well, okay, so he has a player option. He's definitely going to decline it because it yes. does not match market standards right now. The thing is Dude, Brad Stevens is just calling his name and he doesn't even need to call it. He's just coming. There's an attraction there. Uh, I heard on, on one of the, you know, major NBA media podcasts recently that Brad Stevens recruited, uh, Gordon Hayward before Hayward was a big deal. And there's just so much trust in that relationship that I just, I don't really know. His teammates are treating him like royalty. I promise you that because they know they need to do whatever they can to keep him moving forward. Yeah, I think the Celtics are looming. I think 
the Pacers could even be there just because of the hometown connection and, you know, this apparent friendship that he has with Paul George. Uh, but you know, I think, I think Boston would be a better situation for him, but Utah is clearly a better situation than Indiana. So to me, it really comes down to Boston. Like, does he, how badly does he want to reconnect with Brad Stevens? Um, because they can sell him on, Hey, we, we were just the number one seed in the East and we can add you without really losing anything from this team. Oh my gosh. They can add so much more on top of right. Gordon Hayward. It's, it's unbelievable. Right. And again, with Boston, as we've said, you know, they, it's not going to go on forever. Bradley's up after next year, Crowder's up in, in a couple of years. And then, you know, then they start operating like a team that doesn't have all these crazy contracts. Uh, the Isaiah Thomas decision is looming, but, but Boston is going to be, you know, one of the two or three most kind of fascinating teams to, to keep an eye on over these last couple of years or next couple of years, just because of the, the levity of the decisions that they have to make. Last topic I want to touch on, and we'll just do this for like two minutes outside of, out of the format we had today. Right now, for me, the NBA season is, like you said, we're in the dog days of it and we're just waiting for the playoffs. Now, this feeling that we have right now where we just want the playoffs to happen, do you think that that's an argument for shortening the season where there definitely is this lull that, you know, nobody really cares as much as maybe they should have, even though the playoff race is just as hot as it's ever been over the last five years? I don't think so. I mean, I'm personally, as as someone who does not play in the NBA, as I should clarify, um, I think the season's fine at 82 games. I hate the thought of having to, like, draw a line at X year and say, all right, after this year, all the stats are different because... I know you're a stats guy. I'm a stats guy. That really does it would, bug me. Yeah. And like, that's such a minor thing in the grand scheme of things because, you know, things like that happen all the time in development of sports and, you, you know, things grow and change. But it would be weird, you know, like you, you really would have to draw that line and say, like, you can't compare player X to a guy of a different generation because they played a different number of games per season and it would really complicate things but there's a lot going on there and the last thing that a lot of people care about is these kind of fairly arbitrary stats that we just use to compare people well I was gonna say if you ask any veteran player not veteran player but um, alum player they would say you can't compare compare generations to begin yeah. with even though they're working within the same uh time frame of games and how many minutes are in each game so you know from that perspective you could say well hey it, it doesn't really matter anyways because right. there wasn't a three-point line or we were still adjusting to the three-point line yeah exactly exactly that's the thing like the three-point line at the time was such a radical idea you know but now we don't you know you don't really think of it you don't you don't draw a line at 1983 and say nothing before this counts you know you just kind of adjust for it um i just there's just been so many like contradictory arguments with this whole rest thing and travel thing it's like we want to reduce the season but then at the same time we're talking about how much better travel is now than it was even 10 years ago and especially 20 or 30 years ago like when those things seem to work opposite each other, like travels better, the players are, are treated better, their bodies right. are treated better, and yet now we want to reduce the number of games. I think there's an interesting parallel you could make to starting pitchers in the MLB now, yeah. where I mean they played back to back games, double headers, and they just their best pitcher just went out and pitched every day. And now you know with all this advanced everything that you know we right. have to treat them with kid gloves now. It, well, it's it seems bizarre. somewhat unreasonable, like, but you know what? That's that's just what it is now. And yeah, and, well, it was like Julio Urias for the Dodgers. Like they're right. they're starting him. He's just going to sit in extended spring training for a month or two. Why? Because he's on an innings limit. Why? Because we just think that, like, there's no, it's not like he's coming off Tommy John, you know, it's, it's possible that Steven Strasburg will be shut down at some point regular season, yeah. like every season of his whole career, which is absurd. But anyways, we're getting away from yeah. it all. I don't like to talk about this stuff. Like I know, because we have not played an 82 game NBA season. Right. Um, and you know, every, every viewpoint has a contrary viewpoint. And most of what I've heard have been sound arguments for both sides. The big thing is elongating careers and that, you know, you need to give up a couple of games where these big time players are going to mm-hmm rest because you'll be able to see them for a couple more years down the road right Uh, all that's well and good last thing i want to say here is that everybody says 82 is an arbitrary number it's not an arbitrary number by any means um 
you play four teams or you play teams in your conference four times. You play teams in the opposite conference twice. Like that's, and then that equals 82. That's not an arbitrary number. You play every team an even amount of times and you want to play the teams in your own conference more than the opposite conference because standings in that conference matter for playoff standings. So when people say 82 is an arbitrary number, it's not an arbitrary number. You play four and two. It makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And so then back it down. I understand if you want to say three and two, but 82 is not arbitrary. I hate when people say that. Yeah. And I also really hate the argument of, well, it's it's not fair because this team got four games against the Nets and four games against the Sixers and they're in the East. It's like, man, in five years, things yeah. are going to look way different. Like it's so short-sighted to use, like, I, I, like if you want to abolish conferences, like that's fine. I would, I could kind of get on board with that idea. I like it as is, but you know, I wouldn't be horribly opposed to that. I think it'd be interesting, but you can't do it on the basis of the East sucks. We need to abolish conferences no. because in however many years things are going to revert the east isn't always going to be worse than the west and making some weird short-term fix to alleviate that to help out the memphis grizzlies or the clippers for two years just doesn't make sense to me it may be the end of the season and nick and i have recorded thousands and thousands of on-air hours but we still got the venom man we're still kicking at the end of this year i'm feeling real venomous right now all right i'm still i'm feeling venerable as i always do according to you yeah right i like i like using that word as, as an introduction okay anything else no, man, I feel good. A lot of weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Having a good, I haven't had a good release podcast. Yeah, well, it's been a while. while. You were you were traveling somewhere. I was last in week. Phoenix visiting the the Snowbird grandparents. Uh, meant to take in a Suns game. They were on their Didn't a get road trip. It. Well, no, they were on a road a massive yeah. road trip. So what a bummer that Shoot. was for me. <laughs> yeah, talk about talk about missing out. Uh, all right, we got to wrap this up. I believe the studio. We need to get out of here because the Rotowire Esports Podcast is recording after this and you know where we fall on so the if you li- if you like the rotowire nba podcast check out that rotowire esports podcast Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.